Welcome back to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Erica. And I'm Bailey. We're going to start it off, as always, with This Week in Feminism. So, Bailey, why don't you get us started? Well, the first article that we're going to look at is in Ravishly.com, or published by Ravishly.com, and it's about uh, femininity. And So it's entitled, Why We Need to Stop Devaluing Femininity. And Erica, I know you have some thoughts on that. Well... What the article says is that we consistently send out this message that in order to achieve any sort of significant career goals, significant um, uh, skills, or anything like that, that girls need to adopt traits that are typically associated with masculinity. Hmm. And I just, first of all, I want to say bravo for writing this article because I felt this way for so long. Mm-hmm. And actually, Chimamande Ngozi Adichie, I know, she, I know her name is somewhat mud right now, but I'm still going to quote her. <laughs> um, she said that, she made a comment that I thought was very poignant, that the Western style of feminism, or, yeah, feminism, has to do with devaluing what is feminine Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i feel as though like my my parents are from the caribbean and i always say to my mom that she's the first feminist i ever met and she will actually tell me that she's a woman and that being strong being capable and being feminine are not exclusive Mm. and absolutely i i think that we have especially second wave feminism has really um, has has really shot femininity in the foot. In my opinion, that in itself is a way to play into the male part patriarchy mm-hmm. when you devalue what is inherently you. Yeah. Or part of you. So uh, I definitely agree with that. I think that there are definitely people who would disagree with you. Of course. Those who choose to, let's say not shave their legs or their armpits because that is their kind of anti-patriarchal mm-hmm. movement. They're saying, well, you know, society is saying that I should be feminine, but I don't want to be, and I'm going to rebel against that. Yeah, I think there's a difference between, like, unfair beauty standards and reveling in your own femininity. Like, I rock a pixie cut, which would generally be considered, I guess, unfeminine. Certainly the men of OkCupid will tell me that. Um, but I feel more feminine in a pixie cut, and but I'm, like, denying, like, or not denying, but, like, I don't know, I guess challenging beauty standards. So, but I feel like it doesn't make me feel any less feminine. So. Yeah, and I think that we attribute a lot of those masculine characteristics to the patriarchy and like adopting them and we get a lot of shit for it that's why we become bitches Mm -hmm. when we try to be assertive when we're just standing up for ourselves yeah but i feel as though the way we even define femininity itself is very surface it's very it's very flimsy yeah you know i mean 
I understand the outward ex expressions of um, defying the patriarchy and defying beauty standards by not shaving or whatever, but I just think it's deeper than that. And we don't, and we devalue it so readily that we have not even thought about what we're devaluing. Yeah. I was having a conversation with a colleague this week and she was talking about um, her own brand of feminism and she's older than me by a, like, well, I, I, would, I don't know, but older than me for sure. Old enough to be my mom. And um, she was talking, so she has a different wave of feminism and she was like saying how people used to call her a lipstick feminist as mm -hmm. like, because she was like, she thought it was okay to stay at home and stuff. And so anyway, we got into a really complex discussion, but I was like, even just thinking about the term lipstick feminist as like a way to like undermine your feminism because you wear lipstick. Like, I don't know. It just seems silly. Yeah. And I know Erica, this is a conversation I think we want to get into later in like a separate episode, but like you and I both are very interested in like fashion. And I think that because fashion and beauty is viewed to be frivolous, mm -hmm. that women who are feminists can't, also enjoy frivolous things and so therefore they outright object to them yeah because then they're perceived to not be educated or smart or successful but how is that changing patriarchy this is my this is my question if you're playing into the already accepted standards of patriarchy by trying to adopt characteristics that as we can see are, you know, some of the char masculine characteristics we value are sometimes inherently sociopathic, <laughs> okay? So why are we trying to live up to that? Why are we yeah. trying to live to those standards? Yeah. Why am I trying, I don't understand why this, it, we haven't proved that this is the right thing to the do. The right thing to yeah. do, the optimal way of being. So just because somebody's something's been there forever doesn't mean that it's it's valued. It just means that there's nothing else to really challenge it. And it's yeah. funny when you read a lot of like business uh, articles, they talk about, you know, women are either very aggressive and they're viewed as bitches mm -hmm. or they're viewed to be too soft and too weak. There's mm -hmm. never like this middle ground um, where a woman can be both a woman and successful in a business context. Yeah. It's like I feel a... like Michelle Obama got there though. And I think that's her magic. Mm. That she was strong, capable, beautiful, fashionable, and all of those things we refuse to put together. Yeah. In one woman. And I really do think that that is one of the greatest parts of her legacy. Mm -hmm. Is that she could she was all of that. And and how she was um I guess marketed was exactly that. Yeah. You know, she used fashion to become relatable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she used, she was obviously more than capable. I mean, the woman's a Princeton grad, mm -hmm. you know, lawyer, administrator, all of these things, a mom and, and a partner and a mm -hmm. partner an equal partner. Yeah. Totally. And I really want to see like all of those thick pieces that talked about Michelle Obama, blah, 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 blah. I think that was her greatest legacy. I read somewhere in the New York Times did a whole thing on when she was leaving, and they said um, that I, I, 
that she refused to smile just because she was there. Like the first lady. Like yeah. that, and that's what expects or is expected. And of especially the first lady. as yeah. first lady. Yeah. That was unheard of. Yeah. First party planner. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like that 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 in itself was rebellious. Yeah. So all this to say that I I think that we think that beauty and strength are um, mutually exclusive and I think they reinforce one another. So next up is Alicia Kay's Alicia Keys, sorry, no makeup makeup movement. So Alicia Keys, uh, I think it was last year, or the year before, um, wrote a letter in to that was published in Lenny, which is Lena Dunham's website. I guess think magazine. I don't know. Yeah, it's like a like an online zine or something. Yeah, yeah. she Tabby Gevinson. Oh, Tabby. Oh. Oh. I don't know. Anyway. So she wrote this letter where uh, she basically said she doesn't want to wear makeup anymore. (laughs) Great. Good. Good for her. Great. She doesn't want to cover up. I get it. I get it. Now, this week, um, Adam Levine, her co-star on, is it The Voice? Yeah, I think it's The Voice. Um had a little fun with her and I think he was on what was it the Howard Stern show or something like that yeah where he basically you know ripped her for wearing concealer that um that she put on backstage he said she's making a big deal about not wearing makeup now Key's response was I do whatever the fuck I want (laughs) And Hello Giggles, who wrote this article, or the website the article's published under, thought that this was a real empowering moment for women. And that Alicia Keys standing up about going makeup free was like the best thing that happened to feminism since I don't know what, since Taylor Swift, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and I say... I call bullshit on this whole article because Alicia Keys made no makeup a big deal when she decided that she was going to pen a letter to Lena Dunham's paper or publication, which I have a problem with in itself. Okay. (laughs) And, and announced to the world that she was going to do this. I smell marketing, I smell branding, and I'm just like, if you're using concealer backstage, that's a problem. I have a totally different take. Really? <laughs> so, it's the that, hypocrisy. It's, it's a branding thing, yes. And to I think maybe her heart might have been in the right place, because yeah. I can imagine being made up all of the time is exhausting. However... Most women know that the no makeup makeup look is the most labor intensive <laughs> makeup yeah. look that there is. Yeah. Oh, the contouring. Because you can <laughs> contour very, very subtly and blend it, and then your eyebrows also have to be perfectly groomed at yeah. all time. Oh my god, yeah. And then you have to do the like oh and the you highlighting have to have and the like it's naturally dark eyelashes and like there's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that she's actually doing this with makeup on. 
I don't have a problem with her wearing makeup, not wearing makeup, whatever. She wants to wear makeup today and not wear makeup tomorrow. I'm fine. I'm fine. I, I yeah. just, I'm just like, it's the, in the letter. She's like, I'm going to live this, this, this makeup I, Anyway. I thought her response to Adam Levine was hilarious. <laughs> oh, sure. And like, I was kind of like, what kind of dick like walks by the dressing room and is like, oh, now you wear makeup? I feel like, fuck you. I, I feel like, Adam Levine because he is a giant dick. Yeah, exactly. He has exactly. a dick haircut. <laughs> he does have a dick haircut. Uh, anyway, so I mean, I was I was down with her, and I hope he like told her he was gonna tell that story on Howard Stern also because he did kind of like call her out. Call her out. So I don't know. Maybe they just don't like each other, and then they're yeah. feuding. Maybe it's a scandal. <laughs> Maybe Alicia Keys needs to understand that she has light skin privilege and should, you know, like take that into consideration too. Yeah, that's true. It's also very true. That's very true. Well, that's that's a piece that I'm not even going to, I'm not going to even extrapolate from that, but I thought I'd just put it in there. <laughs> Do you want to explain light skin privilege? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So for those who don't know what light skin privilege was, we would have to define colorism. And colorism is the act of discrimination basically based on skin tone within your own ethnicity. So the lighter the skin tone or the closer you are to whiteness, the better off you are. Mm -hmm. Now, within the black community, I mean, this is not, this doesn't just happen in the black community. I nope. know yeah. the Filipino community and the Indian community, the Indian community yeah. too yeah. is a lot like this. Yeah. Um, but um, I think that Alicia Keys being biracial, mm -hmm. having quote unquote good hair and quote unquote caramel skin mm -hmm. and quote unquote unquote unquote, I think there is an opportunity for her to kind of speak on that. And it's not a requirement of hers. I'm not saying it is, but. It would be nice to, for, you know, if she took that stand too, because I can, I can see that Beyonce doesn't. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Beyonce is rolling in some sweet light skin privilege, and good, good for her. Don't get me wrong. I, like everybody, thought, you know, I think she's she's beyond what what an average pop star is, of course. But let's let's just understand that. Viola Davis no makeup is a different issue. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Viola Davis. Actually, no, she's done it. No on, makeup on how to get away with on murder. How to get away with murder? <laughs> Holy! Yeah, when 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 her mom was braiding her hair. Yeah, that was like what I remember being on Twitter and Black Twitter went, Oh my God! On national television. This is amazing. And we're all like, blah, 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 blah. and it's, it's, it's just the image of a woman in naturally like uh, Afro hair, no makeup, just stripped. And it was just wonderful to mm -hmm. see, mm -hmm. but it's a different conversation than Alicia. Yeah. Keys. It's not the same. Like, I think white people, especially fetishize that, like fetishize that, uh, light skin, like, you know, then, then it's like exotic. So mm -hmm. then they're like super into it. Okay, so our next story comes from the New York Times, and it's a column uh, called The, the All-Male Photo Op Isn't a Gaffe, It's a Strategy. And it's in reference to the 
photo that was used last week during the healthcare bill discussions um, of the white men all sitting around the boardroom table discussing the future of women's health. Mm, um, yeah. And so the op-ed continues and says that, you know, the Trump administration has published a series of these photos in which they're mostly white men making decisions about the future of their country and that this is not just done by accident and it's not just done kind of because that's just who they surround themselves with, but it's actually part of a larger strategy that is pandering to their base Mm. and showing that they are fulfilling a promise of quote-unquote making America great again, which we think or it feels like it's a throwback to a, an earlier, quainter version of America in which men are better than women. Um, yeah, so, you know, if you'll go through the Twitter accounts of the vice president and the president, you'll see photos of all men, all white, all generally middle-aged, unless you get Jared Kushner in there, <laughs> um, and also Stephen Miller. Um, but they, they're kind of showing... Uh, the the voters, the Trump voters, which were predominantly male, aside from that small pocket of women, white women, um, that you know they're they're being represented in government. Mm. And I guess in a way, too, it like creates a buzz about like lots. I think I knew about what they were doing because I saw this photo tweeted so many times with outrage about, like, why aren't there any women in the room discussing women's help or health? So, like, you know, yes, he's, like, telling people we're making America great again, and yes, we've got all the men at the boardroom, so that's pandering to the base. And then, on the other hand, there's also more publicity coming towards it because people are horrified, rightfully so. Yeah. (laughs) And, I mean, no... There's no bad press, I guess, is is the approach... Like, yeah. yeah, there's no... Um... I I just kind of hesitate that it's a... a <clears throat> I can see that it could be a strategy. I'm also unsure that it's a strategy. I don't... I feel like it's just the actual way Trump feels. So, can we call it a strategy then? It's an accident? Like, is Trump in the back room saying, hey, we should make sure that we have some women in this photo, and then his strategist is like, no, 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 we don't want any women at all in this photo. Or is Trump in the back room being like... Oh, perchance there's no women in this room. Oh, Let's well. take a photo. Great. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if it's like a strategy as much as that's like actually how Trump feels. I'm right now looking at the White House's um, Facebook. <laughs> and the reason I'm looking at the Facebook feed, okay, okay, yes, we have all white men here, yeah is I guess I guess because older Americans are mostly on Facebook I'm just trying to see how much of mm-hmm. this is being plastered on the Facebook feed right. and what I see more on the Facebook feed is the empowerment of women stuff which oh. I think which I think is interesting yeah so now which we'll I'm, get to later okay <laughs> okay good because it's parading Ivanka around. Yeah, it's like parading Ivanka around. And I'm not sure if that is if their digital strategy happens to be that succinct. Or cohesive. Like, or cohesive. Right. Um, because I, I guess what I'm saying is 
this this photo I saw on Twitter, and I think it may have been on Instagram. I'm not sure, but I guess what I'm trying to what I'm trying to ascertain is how much of the people who just happened to vote for Trump the last time around, how, when will this wear thin? And if where they're posting these things are places where those people, however you define them, um, maybe there's some women who voted for him last time, maybe there's some people of color who voted for him last time. I'm, I'm just wondering how much the I, I'm really wondering how large the actual Trump base is mm. and how many people just voted for him partially out of desperation, partially because he was different, partially because they didn't want Hillary, partially, 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 or mostly, or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say because his approval rating is at like 37%. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised they're that high. <laughs> That's about how much of America voted. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm just saying if you don't match your target demographic with the platform, with the image, it might backfire. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely don't think that there's a cohesive digital strategy. I think it's like a, oh, this person was here, let's take a photo. Oh, oh, this is a this is an important part of the healthcare bill that we're trying to push through. Let's take a photo. Then that goes mm-hmm. back to this article and how much do you think, how, how, do you think this article is overreaching or do you think that this article is just asking the right... I, I think it's asking the right questions, don't get me wrong. Sure. Yeah. But do you think it's overreaching? Isn't there a saying, never put to malice what you could, what can be explained by incompetence? Uh, I've never heard that. I've never yeah, heard that. Yeah. I like it. I yeah. Like I can't remember going. the name of the saying. I think it's... No. Oh, if you guys know... Like tweet me at Wicked Chick W I C K D C H I Q. So the next one is uh, out of the UK again. So I think Ugh. we've now surmised that maybe the UK in and of itself is a misogynist. It's like the it's, most misogynist. It's, it's just like they get to win misogynist of the year, the entirety of the UK. Great. Go ahead. Well, this is a country that still puts spinster, okay, <laughs> on your, like, um, what is it, your marital status. Oh, right. Oh, right. So. When do you get to be a spinster? Like, I'm waiting. I'm 31. I feel like any time now. I feel like it's, I feel like, I feel like status. it's like 30 or something. I want a tax break as a spinster. Like, I feel like I should get a tax break. That's never going to happen. <laughs> Not in Canada. Uh, Yeah. All right, so the Daily Mail uh, printed, never mind Brexit, who won legs it? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. With a cover of the women sitting with their, 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 they have legs, these women. They're also wearing nylons. Yeah. And heels. They're also middle-aged. Heaven forbid they not wear heels. They have to. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, it was, like, first of all... Sorry, Erica's, like, laying across the table here. (laughs) 
like Brexit. Here's Lexit. Like, like, how corny. That is corny as fuck. It really is. It's brutal. It's everything about it is brutal. <laughs> oh and God. of course, they're like actually talking about a serious topic. Oh my God. And the Daily Mail has some authority to, I guess, tell. The Brits, what is going on in the world? Really? They need a new copyright Are they like first. the sun? Like, I feel like they're like the sun of the Yeah, UK. they are. The sun. They oh, are. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Anyway, so, you know, here's like two women who are like leaders of the free world. And uh, we're going to just talk about their legs. I so mean, so who, are you, who, are the, who is the picture of? I believe it's Theresa May and... Nicholas Sturgeon from yeah. the, from Scotland. Exactly. Oh right. So yeah, so they're 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 discussing the future of the entirety of the UK, and the Daily Mail is just going to talk about uh, their legs. I I mean, this is like <laughs> next level absurd. <laughs> well, and then unfortunately, because Theresa May, I feel like has possibly really internalized a lot of misogyny and probably subscribes to the school of like you gotta act like a man to get where you going because she's of that generation mm. of feminists she said it was just a bit of fun by the daily mail and oh, that it was not fuck's sake it wasn't any kind of ill will <laughs> absolutely it was. i guess we'll go back to the malice and the hold on part. i would just like exactly. to read the sub headline to this headline so the yes. main headline is never mind Brexit, who won Legsit, with the sub headline, it wasn't quite stilettos at dawn, but there was a distinctly frosty atmosphere when Theresa May met Nicola Sturgeon yesterday. What is stilettos at dawn? Is it supposed to be like gunfire yeah. at dawn? It's like a like a like a, a like western a, like yeah, like tumbleweeds. Yeah. It's like an omelette. <laughs> An omelet. It does. The letters of dawn, or something. I feel like that needs to be like a lipstick, like an color. OPI or, or, nail yes. polish, yeah. or an OPI nail <laughs> color. Yes. Stilettos at dawn. Like I'm not yes. really a waitress. Yes, yeah. uh, right. Stilettos at dawn. Right, right. I feel like okay. it would be like like a mango. Color. Oh. oh, but maybe a little bit more pink. Yeah, oh. <laughs> just this side of coral. Yeah. Right. <laughs> to get right. The, the colors of the sunrise. Right. You know, if they could mix like coral and just add just a little bit more orange. Yeah. I feel like that would be it. It would That'd be like, be yeah, I'm your fire starter or something. Anyway, so, so never mind if you're, you know, Theresa May and you want to actually talk about real issues. The Daily Mail can just comment on your legs. It's all, it's all in good fun. Like, Theresa May and Nicholas Sturgeon are are essentially the same age as our parents. Yeah, yeah. I would not be okay <laughs> yeah. with people discussing my mother's legs Yeah. in public. Yeah. And I, again, it's just like, why? And I think it was da- the Daily Mail that also commented about Amal Clooney and said it, she was showing off her baby bump. You know, they seem to really want to talk about women's bodies and not their brains. Or That's ideas. the first rule of journalism. Don't. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I'm going to expand on her comments. Theresa May's comments. Theresa May's comments. She said, um, she, she, on a visit to the Midlands, the West Midlands, um, Ms. May told the Wolverhampton Express and Star newspaper that the coverage was a bit of fun. 
Right. But also, she said, you will notice I'm wearing trousers today. Oh! oh and I was just God. like, no. And she said, as a woman in politics throughout my whole career, I have found that very often what I wear, particularly my shoes, has been an issue that has looked been looked at rather closely by people. Obviously, what we do as politicians is what makes a difference to people's lives. I think the people that most people concentrate on what we do as politicians. This is such a uh, an I don't see color type of response. Yeah, why is she acting like that? I, I don't know. Ugh. To be fair, they both are wearing quite nice shoes in the photo. <laughs> they are. They do. Yeah, they. One's a nice gray, a dove gray pump. The other is a. Leopard print pump with some gold embellishments. But have you noticed that with women in positions of power and especially... I find that women in high positions of power um, have a tendency to act, to sweep things like this under the rug. And I guess they wouldn't have gotten to where they are had they called out sexism. Yeah, I think sure. it's a generational yeah. thing. Yeah. For sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Although I would argue that Angela Merkel would say bullshit. Yeah, yeah. What's bullshit? There was a comment like that. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. yes, She would call it up. Yeah. And there was that woman uh, prime minister in the in Australia. Yes. She just get it. Yes. 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 But yeah, I think there are. There's just a lot of women of in positions of power of a certain age that have had to subscribe to that. Like, I. I have to be part of the boys' club to make it. So I'll just be part of the boys' club and laugh at all the same jokes. And and that's great, good for them. But this is my problem with them. When you're trying to come up, when you're on the come up, yeah. as a millennial, whatever generation you are, A, these women don't like that you don't subscribe to the same way of thinking. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like, for example, I think on... Was I can't remember on CBC. It was either The Courage or one of those shows. Um, I think I think it was The Courage. So they were talking about women getting emotional at work, Ugh. and yeah. all they cared about was that the woman got emotional at work. Oh well, you shouldn't do that. Oh well, it's a bad don't look. cry at work. Oh, don't yeah. cry at work. Yeah. Oh, do this, and I'm just like, but nobody, nobody asked. Why are these women crying at work? Yeah. What's going on in the workplace? Yeah. Is it a toxic work environment? Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is my problem. And I feel like they undermine women's advancements and feminism through that. Yeah. Like we're trying to make change now for the better. And they're like, well, it didn't change for me and I made it okay. And yeah. I am in my position of power. So why do you think it should change for you? Like yeah. you're special millennial yeah. girl. Yeah, exactly. Special snowflakes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I do fucking think I'm special. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I do want it to change. And sorry you should it too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, sorry, you had to eat shit. I'm not going to. Yeah. <laughs> All right, our last article that we want to talk about this week uh, comes from the CBC, and it's entitled, Top General Says No Systemic Problems at Royal Military College After Report on Suicide and Sexual Misconduct. So to that, I say bullshit, because we know that these are problematic 
settings. Any paramilitary setting in Canada right now is an absolute disgrace. So our RCMP, there's like a class action lawsuit from the RCMP because so many female RCMP officers are sexually harassed at work and have like post-traumatic stress syndrome from it. Uh, the military itself, they had this crisis last year when they released the report about sexual harassment in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so again, and Jonathan Vance at that point, that's the top general that they're talking about. He said he was going to create change and he was ready to deal with the sexualized culture of the military. Mm-hmm. And so now looking at the Royal Military College, which is of course funneling people into the military, we find that yet again, there are issues of power and control and violence. And it's all about sexual harassment, racism, and leading to post-traumatic stress disorder. So I think, I say burn the system to the ground and start again. I, I, I would like to point out that, sorry, Aaron, sexism, racism, et cetera, et cetera, bullying, harassment, and you linked it with PTSD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to highlight that. Yeah. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about it more in future episodes, but I think that's very important yeah. for people to understand that number one, all of these, I, I, I see people um, who like to pretend that microaggressions are just people being too sensitive. Ugh, yeah. The left, they're the worst. They're the yeah. worst, those special snowflakes. Yeah. And I always say, if people had to hear what's been said to me in my lifetime, they wouldn't even get out of bed. Oh, yeah. So who's the snowflake? So when I talk about <laughs> microaggressions, yeah. you and your you know fragility doesn't want to hear it. But this is actually causes stress. I know I've been through it. And we're going to talk about that a little later. Yeah. In a a separate episode? Or or later? No, in your receipt. My receipt. So (laughs) excited. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So getting into this, like, I wonder, like, where, obviously it's a systemic problem that happens in so many of these types of paramilitary organizations. Mm -hmm. And I just, like, thinking from a systems perspective, like, why is that happening? Obviously, like the leadership has no, they don't, there's, are willing to turn a blind eye to it. But is it because historically or generally the types of people who are attracted to these types of organizations, mm-hmm. particularly on the military side, may come from more white neighbor, like areas of the country? Yeah. Or. They're- the, the, there's there's like, some specific kind of like they're seen as heroes in those kinds of groups, right? Like whereas they're, they're seen as certainly not a heroic job in a lot of other cultures. Well, yeah, and like you know, and I'm just using this like talking out of my ass and like <laughs> speculating. Like, is it because like you get people who are more perhaps on like the right wing of the spectrum who like aren't socialized the same way as someone who is maybe perhaps more liberal? on yeah. those types of issues? Like, I think that those people are probably more drawn to any kind of paramilitary career as a career option. Um, I mean, I don't want to be, like, classist or whatever, but I think there's also something to be said that, like, certainly for the military, a lot of people can go into that right without a lot of post-secondary education, too, right? So there's there's not necessarily... and. This is a major generalization, so I don't believe this of everybody in the military, but, like, there isn't a ton of education and knowledge that's coming from, like, 
the critical thinking yeah, that, part. Yeah. And then finally, I think a lot of it has to do with the way that they're trained. And this, like, I think... Obviously, Ottawa police are a complete shitstorm right now, but it goes to the way of this, like, the training that you have to do to become an RCMP officer or to become in the military or whatever, You they do these, like, breaking them down and then building them back all up together. And, like, you know, maybe we had to train people like that for the military when we were, like, fighting the War of 1812, but I don't think we need to do that anymore. And it's like this, like, you know, I would die for you thing, and it's just like, we can support each other but we don't have to die for each other like we can like and anybody that's in the net they're, they're about to at they're gonna blow up my ads right now but <laughs> like, I know. and I'm, I'm gonna push back too yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna push I back think, on this one i don't disagree with you i think yes that absolutely plays a part and i think that there's a fine a fine line between pushing someone to the brink and like breaking someone and like being like absolutely borderline torturing people who are in training yeah like having gone through like my collegiate softball experience was an absolute fucking nightmare like our coach would just yell at us in practice and tell us we were worthless pieces of shit and be like are you fucking retarded if we like made a mistake or like wouldn't listen or just like couldn't get things and like that bonded us as a team because like we had a common quote-unquote enemy Mm -hmm. in our coach and like it made us stronger mentally because, like, once you make it through four years of that, you're like, well, everything else is a walk in the park. Yeah. Um, but we kind of, we definitely joke now about, like, oh, like, we all suffer from PTSD from that, which, like, maybe they're, like, very, very, very mild cases. But, like, I wouldn't say that we, we it's actual PTSD in the same sort of way. But, like, I see how that sort of, like, training kind of, like, bonded us together. Yeah. But there's definitely, like, a fine line. Yeah. What do you think, Erica? I I think that breaking breaking people down and building them back up, it, I don't think that's the problem, per se. It's what you build them up into. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. So, I mean, I think you can achieve the same, what, the same goals of... Um, of loyalty, especially on the battlefield. On the battlefield, it's not it's not civilian. Yeah. So I'm not I'm hesitant to weigh in too heavily on that, but at the same time, I also think that we can walk and chew gum at the same time, <laughs> and that you know you can build up a soldier to like you know, not sexually harass or bully or assault, or assault people. Yeah, and and know. still be part of the team. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how much of the drug culture in the military does this weigh into it? Oh, God. Well, I don't, I don't know very much about the drug culture in the military. But, I mean, there's definitely this whole... The whole military is, is all about secrecy. It's about... The behind the scenes, behind the lines, were together. So, you know, if people are losing drugs or using drugs, they're certainly not they're certainly not ratting each other out for it. No. That's for sure. I thought okay, let, I'm Googling. Keep talking, I'm Googling. <laughs> well, maybe we should bring it back for another episode. I feel yeah, like we yeah, should yeah. move on. Yeah. Okay, so our next segment is uh, Rent and Receipts, and this is where each of us tell or share an article with the others about what's going on in the world of feminism. So, Bailey, do you want to start? 
Sure. So my, uh, as probably lots of people know, the Sunshine List came out this week. So the Sunshine List is a list of all the people making over $100,000 in the public sector in Ontario. Um, So turns out 123,000 people uh, are paid more than $100,000 in Ontario. Let's just pause. So that's a lot of people. Yeah. Like a lot of people in Ontario working for the public sector making a, like a lot of money every year. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, interestingly enough, you can, you can find the list. It's public knowledge. Um, but so CBC though has noted that when we look at this list, we're really seeing the equal pay gap for women. So there is a woman who made the top three most paid people. Her name is Jill Peppel who is the executive vice president of the Ontario Pension Board. So way to go, Jill. Way to get your money. Get money, get money. <laughs> I feel like I want to listen to Bitch Better Have My Money like right now. <laughs> um, but what is more important is that for women in the same jobs as men, they're not making the same amount of money. So for example... At universities, not one woman making a six-figure salary made as much as the top 20 men. (laughs) So that's ridiculous. Um, And at municipalities, when we look at city staff wages, um, women were among only three. uh, Only three women were among the best paid. Wow. Yeah. So the Sunshine List. It's unreal. I mean... It's fun. You should Google people that you know. (laughs) And then you can see what everybody makes. Um, But, you know, obviously for all the pay equity conversation and everybody saying, oh, you've come a long way, baby, and all this, clearly we just haven't really. Okay, so what I don't understand is that apparently uh, 55% of the Ontario Public Service is women, but they make 12% less than their male counterparts. Like, is the Ontario Public Service not a unionized environment because, like, then they would have very set kind Mm -hmm. of salary rates? So I don't... I guess I'm kind of struggling to see, like, where that 12% is. Well, this is an awful statistic to quote. I will just say. (laughs) Because you don't know if this is based on hourly wage. You don't know if this is executive versus working level. The working level is usually unionized. The executive level, in other words, your managers usually are not. Um, And there are different promotion schedules and promotion um, mechanics to it. So I don't even know what this... So if women aren't getting promoted... If if women aren't getting promoted, even though they're 55% of the um, public service service in Ontario, or the Ontario public service... um, it could be that most of the jobs are at the top are taken by men, right. which is basically yeah. what happens in the Canadian public service too. Yeah, it's it, there. Are, there are a lot of women in the public service, but as you go further up the chain of power, all of a sudden the participation drops off. I think only thirty-five percent of deputy ministers in the public in the Canadian public service are women. Yeah, and it's interesting to me because I feel like. Anywhere, like where I would most expect to see equality would be in the public service. Like the, the public service, just like public education should be the great equalizer. The public service should be the great equalizer. Like you should get the same access 
no matter what neighborhood you live in, to public schools, as you should get the same access to jobs if you're in the public and school. You just, well, and that's why we have employment equity. Yeah. yeah. But you just said the magic word, and it's access, right? Yeah. So it's not only access into the public service that the public service has a problem with, it's, it's access to the wider, greater society. Yeah. These institutions are cloistered. They don't change. They're stodgy. They don't like newness. They don't like new ideas. They don't like, they don't like new ways of doing things and usually throttle against them. Mm -hmm. And so whatever change should happen has not happened because the status quo is so valued. Yeah. Anyway, well, all that to say, Google your partner's name on the sunshine list and see what they make. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so for this week, my rent and receipts is going to take a more sunny turn, Um, kind of opposite of to what Bailey's was talking about, um, the Icelandic government on March 28th, so this past Tuesday, introduced... Uh, became the first country to ever introduce legislation requiring employers to prove that they are paying men and women equally. Hmm. Um, So while the country has had kind of equal pay laws, they haven't really been followed. Um, And many people just kind of really fell in love with Iceland over the past year with the Euro Cup and how their soccer team kind of had this Cinderella story. Um, but Iceland, uh, you know, they're they're a very small country with a population of 330,000. Um, and while Nordic countries generally lead um, countries with or lead other nations in equ- equality policies, including gender quotas on boards and parental leave, um, Iceland is consistently near the top of these these rankings. Um, but uh, equal pay in Iceland is actually still an issue, and women in Iceland still earn 14 to 20% less than men. Hmm. Um, And so the Icelandic government wants to bridge that gap within five years, Uh, a move that the government argues may speed up progress in other areas, and the global pay gender gap um, will not close for another 70 years at rates unless governments really decide to accelerate their their processes um, Hmm. to reach the equal pay. So I find that this is interesting considering that a lot of the Nordic countries or the Scandinavian countries, Nordic countries are, you know, so are held in such high esteem for their ideas on on social equality and social inclusion and the policies behind those ideas yet it seems like they too have a persistent gender gap yeah it's really interesting particularly because like a lot of those nordic countries and scandinavian countries i don't know which one's more correct i i i feel like iceland may be nordic but not scandinavian right Okay. Well, anyway, I'm sure somebody will correct. They this. they yeah. generally pay like quite high tax, mm-hmm. and they can get like free health care or sorry, free childcare mm-hmm. and education. So like the fact that there's be, because they're at a higher tax rate and because they're doing all these things to promote equality between the sexes uh, or genders that they don't have equal pay is actually kind of surprising. Yeah, and. I got the sense that women were still... Oh, right. 
in so this article was in the New York Times, which I'm sure you already said. Um, the proposed legislation follows an equal pay pilot program in which government bodies and companies identified chronic hurdles that block women from higher paying jobs. So first of all, the problem is that women are kept from higher paying jobs. Yeah. Okay. So let's just say that because that already establishes an issue. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But also women occupy different professions from men at fewer high level positions contributing to lower pay. So it's, I'm not sure if more of the problem is the jobs themselves or the salary bands within the jobs because Marissa Mayer mm-hmm. from Yahoo, who's departing, yeah. her replacement is apparently making a gobs of money more than yeah. her. And he hasn't proved anything. No. And she's the one who came back from maternity leave after eight weeks after having twins. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. So this kind of like, I guess like, you know, the seeing, you know, Bailey talk about the sunshine list, like... We need to, as a country and a province, I guess, need to take a look at like this model and actually look at the systemic problems holding women back from attaining those higher paying jobs. Because we haven't really, we haven't really researched that to, well, we have, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's interesting that this legislation would require companies to prove that they are paying men and women equally. So instead of, um, and this article also said that Iceland has had equal pay laws for half a century, pushing companies and the government to gradually reduce the pay gap. But the thinking behind the new legislation is that unless the laws are applied more forcefully, the imbalance may never really close. And I have to say, this is what happens when you get women into legislature, into your legislature. Yeah. Because I, from they have one of the highest female proportion governments or something like that. And they have obviously set this as a priority. Yep. So, yeah, this is why we need to have representation... Um, of women and people of color making laws. Yeah. So they exactly. affect everyone equally. Exactly. So I think this is, I really want to follow this story and see where it goes. And like this would be, it, it, it would just, I, yeah, I just want to follow Iceland because they've come from, you know, basically being on the, being bankrupt through the financial crisis to this. Yeah. So my rent and receipt um, was trending on Twitter a couple of days ago. It's called hashtag Black Women at Work, and this hit me so much. Like this basically crowded my Instagram, crowded my Facebook, crowded my Twitter, and it. I for my rent and receipts, I was actually going to talk about Rachel Dolezal, <laughs> but this even knocked her. I mean, to be fair, Rachel Rachel Dolezal doesn't deserve to be talked about. Ooh, true, 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 true. Congresswoman Maxine Waters um, and White House correspondent April Ryan 
were each disrespected by Fox News commentator Bill O'Reilly and White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer, respectively, on the same day merely for doing their jobs like black women everywhere, I found myself completely unsurprised. Now, I'm reading from uh, NBCNews.com and um, basically April Ryan is uh, a White Horse course a White House correspondent. Um, I can't, I, I'm not sure of the publication, but she asked Sean Spicer a question. She pressed him, she pressed him. And when he, she was not satisfied with his response, she, st- she shook her head. And he called her out in the, in the middle of a White House prep briefing on global television um and told her to stop shaking her head and i think every black woman collectively went (laughs) i think you can imagine what erica's face looked like when she made that noise (laughs) so um maxine waters so apparently and i think uh, this one this one is is bad really bad So on Tuesday morning's episode of Fox and Friends, Bill O'Reilly mocked Congresswoman Maxine Waters by saying she was he was too distracted by her James Brown wig, air quotes, to listen to anything she had to say about President Donald Trump. He has since issued an apology claiming it was all in jest. So... I mean, this is the insidious racism. Yeah. Because on on the surface, Bill O'Reilly doesn't seem like he did anything but just make a joke about a woman's hair. On the surface. Sure. So I just want to do a quick aside and like, these are the types of jokes, these passing comments that people post to Facebook in meme format or in video format mm-hmm. that they think are funny. Mm-hmm. Not realizing or just p- tossing a blind eye to the fact that they're inherently built on racist tropes. Yeah. Yeah. Continue. Exactly. So, um, a black woman... <laughs> now, I don't even know where to start unpacking this. Like... Uh, do I unpack the black women in hair polit- politicization of hair, or do I start with the fact that it's just Bill O'Reilly in general, who is just like a sexist and a racist? Let's yeah. not even bother with him. Or do do or 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 do I start with the fact that they basically reduced her to a caricature of her own race? And, you know, by saying James Brown wig. So, I mean, there's that. (laughs) So let's go back to April. April. April experienced what all black women have experienced at some point in their career. So I know I've experienced it. And I've experienced the bullying, I've experienced the harassment, I've experienced the um, 
the the comments i said earlier in the program that if people actually had like actually had to deal with the comments that i've had to deal with to my face i'm not even talking about the ones behind my back they wouldn't get out of bed yeah and to be and to be fair all black women and it's not only black women because i was listening to stories by the way let me walk it back a little bit so this week after seeing this trend on twitter i actually asked black women to share their stories so they dm'd me and they each gave me um permission as long as i kept them anonymous so i'm gonna keep them anonymous and before i start do you want to say anything no okay so <clears throat> i was re- a regional sales manager so this is one person I was a regional sales manager for a retail store and there was an issue with the building ventilation causing the store to be closed for two hours of operating time. I was on the phone with property management, a woman, and she told me she would send the building owner to come speak to me because I was asking for compensation for loss of revenue and reimbursement of wages for the closing of the two hours. He walked in and addressed my white male co-worker, seven years my junior, yeah, standing beside me asking if he was in charge. I said, you must be looking for me and stuck out my hand to introduce myself. He looked at my hand and laughed and proceeded to mansplain why exhaust venting into the building was no reason to close, although his offices had been evacuated and refused to continue the conversation and walked away. What? From that point on, he only responded to contact from my boss, who was another white male. Oh my God. So there's that. Oh my So God. that's going to work every day. Okay. Story number two, because there are those, there are more. <clears throat> Okay. I was in a class as we all read from a textbook about how Kenya didn't have any typewriters. I tried to tell the teacher that this was not true. My f- and she puts in, in, in brackets, my father was editor-in-chief of Kenya's national newspaper. <laughs> okay, so let's stop there and talk about... She's even adding an extra layer of being from Africa, which everybody in Canada thinks is just a basket case. And there's everybody's poor and, and like, need we are the world money. Yeah. Anyway, he was dismissive. This is the teacher. Another time I did, yeah, that was it. Like, she's, she put them in, like, blocks. Okay. <laughs> Another time I did poorly on a math test on one of the first few days of school and the teacher asked me, don't they do math in your country? (gasps) Yeah. This was in high school. I'd been with her since I was eight. Oh my God. Yeah, I live in this country. You would know. So no, we don't do math. Yeah, exactly. When I first started working, anytime black... Anytime people saw another black person, they would assume we were related or knew each other. I know this one. I've been told I look like almost every famous black celebrity. 
I've been told I'm so nice for a black girl, don't have an attitude, pretty for an African. I had a black manager who was great. She gave me credit for my achievements. She moved on and was replaced with a white manager. I worked my ass off and got no credit. She must work for the Federal Public Service. <laughs> yeah. I encourage all my direct reports um, to advance, took courses, etc. I sat down with one of my male employees and told him to step up because he had potential, but he was slacking. Worked with him on some scripts to make our job more efficient. Oh we presented it to the team. They gave him all the credit. Of course. He got and exceeded expectations. Oh, this is the public. So I know these. Oh, I know those <laughs> No, that language is the federal public service. I smelt it, girl. Okay. He got and exceeded expectations on his year-end review, and she didn't give me any credit. People who had worked with the company for 5, 10, 15, 20 years pulled me aside and said I was the best manager they ever had. She hated that my team and I got along so well. Meanwhile, she's letting the other manager get away with doing nothing as I'm busting my ass. On several occasions, apparently, this dude didn't show up to work and didn't even call in sick. If I had done that, I'd been fired. And it's true. The rules are different with us. Yeah. And, and, and I know like there was a girl who wasn't black but is a person of color who told me about um, she works like for insurance, mm -hmm. an insurance company. She's one of their top sellers. Um, she is one of, I think, three or four f women in like um, a 15, 20, 25, 30 office. I know that was a lot. That was, that was a and lot of leeway. It slowly got bigger. It slowly got bigger. <laughs> but um, what she, apparently the top performers were invited to watch the Montreal Canadiens play. Oh. In, in the box. In the, the company right, box. Right, of course. But why was she not invited? And why were people who sold less than her <gasps> invited? Oh, probably because she was a woman and probably doesn't like sports. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, that... Yeah, I can see why she wouldn't get an invite because obviously women don't like sports. Obviously. Particularly women of color. Obviously. I mean, I worked for... Let's say... How should I put uh, an organization <laughs> that had a reputation for not, you know, for not promoting women? Yeah. And it ends up on Scotiabank's best hundred places to work list. Yeah, like it's happens all the time. It does. And this idea that, you know, we're just making it up or, be, or being snowflakes or something like that is disgusting. It's insulting. And it's mansplaining and whitesplaining 101. And I would love, by the way, I would love to hear any more stories that you guys want to send. Um, I will keep it, I will definitely keep it um, anonymous. anonymous and confidential because I respect people's privacy. Tweet me at Wicked Chick, W I C K D C H I Q. Um, and yeah. 
trust me, I already, by the way, this is the other thing. I already tweeted my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I may, I'm trying to figure out if I want to write about it. I like it's I like it it'll be cathartic but it's really it's difficult it's to write difficult. about. It's difficult. It's right. Because it's it's a vulnerability but also like a, it's kind of like showing a weakness mm-hmm. even though that's not entirely it's not true at all. Yeah. Like I was in a work environment where someone who was new um said, "Oh, well we I don't know why we have employment equity like they already have jobs like why we need more white people and i was like didn't say anything because one they're new and two like what was i gonna say mm-hmm. um i mean i guess there's lots that i could have said but like as someone who's like racially ambiguous at best <laughs> um like I, I definitely have a lot of privilege where i can pass for white and non-white um but like that's the type of thinking that is you have to get exists. over the shock first of all. Yeah. I, and, and I think like sometimes you're like I don't know what to say because I need to get over the shock of this actually being said in public. Yeah, I think there's a lot of I've been hearing this a lot in like things that I've been reading and like podcasts and I think that this is a really interesting discussion to have. <laughs> All right, so we're on to our third segment, Misogynist of the Week. And this week, we only have one. We have Mike Pence. Vice President Mike Pence. So this week, um, the Pence family came, I don't know if under fire is quite the right phrase, but they were thrust into the spotlight through a um, quasi-profile on Karen Pence, the second lady um, in the Washington Post, that talks about how the relationship the vice president and his wife have. And there is one kind of very strange, strange thing that you've probably seen on Twitter, if that's your, your uh, platform of choice, that basically says that uh, Mike Pence is on record in an interview several years ago saying that he never dines alone with a woman that is not his wife, and he never goes to an event where alcohol is present without his wife. This created a series of jokes and like a lot of deep, dis- well, as deep as discussion on Twitter can get <laughs> on, on marriage and religion. And ironically, Mike Pence also this week uh, cast a tie-breaking vote in the Senate as vice president as he is when the Senate in America reaches a tie, the vice president, the head of the, the, the Senate, uh, cast the tie-breaking vote, and so he delivered the tie-breaking vote on a resolution reversing an Obama administration rule that prevented states from withholding family-planned dollars from Planned Parenthood and other clinics that provide abortions. Hmm. Uh, also on the same day that he received a Women's Empowerment Award. Oh. So from where? Yeah. And from whom? How is this even possible? Um... But mostly, I want to focus on the on the marriage thing. Yeah. Really? Now, now I'm interested in this award. <laughs> well, I have to say, uh, I also wouldn't want my husband having meals with other women. Ooh. I would. I I'm down with the short leash. Oh. I don't. I don't. There would. I would be pissed 
off if I heard that my partner had a meal with another woman, just him and another woman. Fuck that shit. Okay. But is there it, any context in which it would be okay? Yeah. Mm, Business? Yeah, I don't think so. There's no reason. Like, I think that you see it on all sorts of shows. That's where the googly eyes start. Oh. I they're eating Thai food out of cartons and then you know it's late nights at the office and the next thing you know they're fucking. This is true. Though. <laughs> I, mean, like, I can't even. I can't even. I can't even deny that this is pretty much. Yeah. I mean, sure, but like, we're also making the assumption that they're still in the office. If well, they're sitting at a restaurant across the a table, like I think it's a little one. There's like much more public. Two. Like, it's not in an intimate environment. And, like, yeah, eating no. is a very... Like, I don't like going on first or second dates with people that include, like, a lot of food. Because, one, you look gross eating. Two, then you're, like, stuck with that person for a very fine, like, specific amount yeah. of time. You do have to wait. I, yeah, no, I don't... I, I definitely don't think a restaurant date would be a problem. It's a date. It's totally a date. I get where you're coming from. Okay, I'm, I'm torn. Ooh, like, this is, ooh, this is fun. <laughs> see, you I, should see. I, I wish. Oh my gosh, I wish people could see your faces right now. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? Yes, I'm not the one getting worked up for once. Yeah. This is great. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I agree with Mrs. Pence. Ooh, which ooh. may be the only time in my life I might have I to VP this tiebreaker. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so on one hand, Bailey, I hear you. Like, I would not be happy exactly if it were like a restaurant date. Yeah. If you want to grab a bite to eat, you don't do it with like a $32 Beaujolais. Okay, Okay, Olivia Pope. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And, you know, you go to McDonald's like everybody else, okay? And then you, okay, not everybody else, apparently. I don't, I don't. But whatever, you know what I mean. Like, you go to whatever convenience, right? Not to spend time getting to know. Because what do you really need to know? However, on the other hand, as Aaron is saying, (laughs) I'm kind of reticent to put a leash on it. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm more like... You know what I am? I'm more like the... And this was brought to me. This this actually was brought to me recently. I'm more like... Let me see what you do. Mm-hmm. So if... So I don't... I don't put the leash. I'm more like, let me see what it's you do. It's a privilege do. to be taken away. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm. See, I also don't think I would go and have a meal with a man if I was with someone else. See, I would, depending on their, I think, (laughs) yeah, so that was what I mean, my my question was like, how would you want to be in your relationship? (laughs) Yeah, see, I, yeah, I would, if I have those rules for somebody, I would happily comply with them on my side too. But like, rules sounds aggressive, but they are rules. Sure. I think that like, there are certain people that I do certain activities with, like there are certain people I go for coffee with, there are certain people... I eat out with because like the challenge for me then becomes like if you have a partner in which you don't share the same love for food for example Mm -hmm. how do you fulfill that need you go out with your girlfriends 
what if they also like they're like oh I can't afford it and like you just know that there's one friend who's always willing a dude yeah a dude friend yeah no I would fuck him probably and then I'd be a cheater he's trying to fuck you <laughs> yeah let's be let's keep, <laughs> let's be real here yeah and he is trying to fuck you and and women are gonna try to fuck Mike Pence too you can- <laughs> <laughs> okay okay power is an okay. power is an aphrodisiac hey, bitches be after Jay Z and yeah. he is not an attractive man no. but he was Beyonce's man. Yeah. You know. And he was Jay-Z. And I bet Beyonce says no more dinners out with anybody else. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what Lemonade was all about. Yeah. She was <laughs> like, no damn dinners. She was like, well, and maybe he had the privilege at one time, but that shit is taken away it's now. taken away. That's right. <laughs> See, I'm all about freedom until you prove that you can't handle the freedom. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, all right, so things, some things going to change around here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but would you? But I see now. I'm like, oh, would I go out with a man that I'm not interested? Like, would you go out with a man who's you're not interested in? And this is where women, men and women, are different, by the way. Yeah. Um, if I swear, I think if the man is going out with me alone, knowing I have a man, then I wonder about him. Yeah, I think it's just a respect thing. Yeah. Like, like what if my man's, like, friends saw me out with another man yeah. having, sharing a meal? I, I, I would not want you guys to see my boyfriend out with another woman sharing a meal. Girl, I would have, I would keep receipts. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be like. I'm a Snapchat. Uh, I'm like, I'm like right? Snapchat. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's where I And then I'd make yeah. sure I send you the, the the requisite multimedia file for mm. backup. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like I so when I go home to visit my parents as a, a my former work husband will go to the movies together and he like is engaged. Yeah. Well, God help my man if he has a work wife. There's none of that shit either. And they're not at work. That's the problem. <laughs> but I know I know who you're talking about. Um but yeah, I don't know. I, I would not be comfortable if I was his fiance. I don't think there's a right and wrong answer. I yeah. think I think it depends on what. And then we met her earlier well, for and drinks. Then maybe you. Yeah, yeah. That, well, I drinks think that's, is that's fine. Okay, that's okay. And like maybe I don't know. I guess you also have to see them together, like to know if there's like because you can tell really fast if there's sexual tension between right. two people. Like mm-hmm. you know pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I mean. I mean, I guess, like, my husband could have dinner with his sister. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where my line is. And a cousin once removed. It's <laughs> <laughs> a <Yeah>. pretty, uh... <laughs> so, I'm a jealous individual. I am a jealous and controlling person. <laughs> Please put that on your dating profile. <laughs> Tinder, like, I am jealous and controlling. Call me. <laughs> and they will. They I will know. come. I know. <laughs> Men love bitches. <laughs> All right, that about does it for this episode of Bad and Bitchy. You can find us on Twitter at Bad and Bitchy. You can also find us on Instagram at Bad and Bitchy Pod. And you can send us an email at Bad and B Pod at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bye. And don't forget to stay bitchy. Bitch,